Welcome to A Court of Swish and Flick, A Court of Thorns and Roses podcast. To the people who look at the stars and wish, we welcome you to the 14th episode of A Court of Swish and Flick. Also, happy birthday to Sarah if you're listening to this on the day of its release. Thanks. <laughs> and this episode is sponsored by Michaela Montgomery. Thank you, Michaela. Thank you. Thanks. I'm Tiffany. I'm Megan. I'm Katie. And I'm the birthday girl. <laughs> <laughs> and today we will be discussing chapter 14 of no. A Court. You fool. Oh, you're right. <laughs> it was bound to happen. Yeah, yeah. I was like, <laughs> well, somebody didn't put that right. <laughs> What me? <laughs> oh, today we will be discussing chapter 13 of A Court of Thorns and Roses. I almost said A Court of Swish and Flick. <laughs> and back to the episode that came out this, well, it's coming out tomorrow. Uh, I did say that and had to redo it. I was like, that's not right. Oh have, my gosh. You don't have a book. <sighs> Make sure to follow us on your preferred podcast listening platform and share this episode with your friends because we're awesome and they're going to also like us. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at A Court of Swish and Flick and Twitter at Acosaf. If you'd like to support us on Patreon, head on over to patreon.com forward slash A Court of Swish and Flick. Supporting our podcast keeps us going because Lord knows we might need some new equipment soon. Gain access to our exclusive Facebook group and Discord channel with our new-ish live recordings starting in January. It's March. We're there. Our episodes will also be coming out early for patrons as well, posted on Patreon the weekend before. So thank you so much for all of your support. And honestly, word of mouth is the best way to spread podcasts around the world. So if you give a recommendation to your friends, whether or not like they're reading Sarah Day Mass books yet, whether they listen to podcasts yet, just any kind of word of mouth helps out podcasts so much. Send any of your questions, concerns, or tell us you like us to our email at a court of swish and flick at gmail.com. Tell us you like us. <laughs> Just like those emails. We're like, they're like, we love your podcast. And I'm like, thank you. It's a great email to get. It is. <laughs> so last we left off, they're walking down the hall. They're having a little chat. And then he opens the Dumbledores. I swear to the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> and he's opening the doors to the study that she requested. Study. <clears throat> it's the library from Beauty and the Beast, right? Basically. Yes, but like, <laughs> it's Tamlin's, so. Yeah. Who was the artiste that painted that mural? Mural. Well, I don't know. Tamlin waved his hand and Lumiere came to life. No, but a hundred <laughs> candles were lit. And Farah, <laughs> so Farah thought about what Lucian had said about magic being drained and off because of the blight, but it didn't seem to have a big effect on Tamlin because to her, he seemed to be like super crazy powerful. And then Farah felt that tang of magic and it stung her senses, but she tried to hide this feeling. She doesn't want to seem weak. I get it. She then peered inside 
and her palms started sweating. Her knees weak. Her arms were heavy. There was vomit on her sweater already. Mom spaghetti. <laughs> Literally, I was at work on my plane period. I'm typing these notes. I'm like, love this. What's funny is I read that and singing it in my head. (laughs) Oh my god! So there is now an enormous study that's opened in front of her behind these Dumbledores. (laughs) Quote: Tomes lined each wall like soldiers of a silent army, and couches. I don't know. Is that how you pronounce it? I. I copied and pasted. I know, but I just, that's not how I would just... Are they to- tomes, tombs? Tomb would be double O. Tome. Tome. Like, just had the computer read that, and in my headphones it just said, I just... Tome. Yeah. <laughs> and it scared me. Because I, I had it play on Merriam-Webster, the I pronunciation. It, no, because I probably... So I did these notes a little bit ago, but I, I brought it up because... Um, you go to Merriam-Webster dictionary, it has the pronunciation. You can just click the little speaker. But what is that? Let me finish this quote and I'll go back to that. So tomes lined each wall like the soldiers of a silent army and couches, desks, and rich rugs were scattered throughout the room. I love a good rug. Oh, man. I like a good tome. <laughs> I also giant like a good tome. I like ad. a good couch. What's a tome, you say? Nothing. What's a tome with you? It's a large or scholarly book. So a, a boring book. Part of <laughs> book. Some of her books are quite large. They're tome worthy. That's tome true. Worthy. Not... You see too, baby. That's a tome. So Tamlin asked Farah if she needed anything else, and she told him no and went into the study. She made herself try and forget the casual power that he had just shown, now that it seemed to emit from him with graceful carelessness. She made sure that she was focused on the task at hand. And we learn a little bit more about Feyre's history. History? Oh. Oh. I love combining words that are in the future that I'm going to read. She was scarcely able to read. Okay. Before the downfall of her family, her mother had, quote, sorely neglected their education and did not hire a governess. A governess? Is Mary Poppins. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine the um, uh, Archeron sisters being raised by Mary Poppins? Things would have been so different. They would have probably all have had a little less trauma in their lives. A little yeah. bit. So this is a very obsolete term for a woman employed as a private tutor who teaches and trains a child or children in the home of someone else. Um, the governess often lives in the same residence as the children she's teaching. In contrast to a nanny, the primary role of a governess is teaching rather than meeting the physical needs of children. Okay, a teacher didn't write this. Hence, (laughs) a governess is usually in charge of school-age children rather than babies. I'm just saying. At any rate. Um, So, Mama Archeron didn't think that, like, formal education was on the top of her list who knows why because that seems exceptionally odd if they were like more of a wealthy family in the area you know what i mean well i think part of that is we know her sisters can read and write and they each seem to have gotten something different out of um like their mother right um where 
it said later on, like her mom basically just ignored Feyre. Um, and she, she chose Nesta to be like, we're going to hone your gifts of these things and like have her be like the person that's going to marry mm-hmm. for like power and whatever. And seemed to put more effort into her, but still was not kind to her. Um, and then like also kind of ignored Elaine, but just not to the same extent as she did with Feyre. Yeah. Um, poverty then struck their house. Her sisters could already read and write, and but they then deemed the village school beneath them, and they also didn't bother to teach her. So in defense of her sisters, it's not a child's job to parent and teach another child. Mm-hmm. That is the parent's job. Would it have been thoughtful above and beyond and kind? Yeah, but it's not their job. Nesta says later on she had no idea her sister couldn't read or write. So she, she mm-hmm. had no idea. So she doesn't know. Lord um, knows about I Elaine. I completely agree with that, that it's not their job. I literally <laughs> wrote that in my book, so I'm glad that you brought it up. Because um, there's a lot of things that her father failed them with mm-hmm. after this happens. Um, but my other question is, like, maybe does it cost money to go to the village school? I don't know. Uh, Would they have been able? Because even if, even if they hadn't deemed it, um, did you deem it that way because you couldn't afford it? So you get that, told that to yourself. Yeah, that or you know they, it it was probably traumatic for them to go from all of these people that were their friends and then they no longer spoke to them all of those years until they get their allegedly get their money back and then you know because they make that as a comment where, Fair was like I'm almost seems like surprised and Elaine even says she goes she's like they never did anything to help us why would we want to be friends with them again kind of a thing like later on in this book mm. um they're like like they seem to forget that all of these things happened and no one like gave them a hand to like here let me help you yeah um but um also had she gone to school would she have been able to like learn how to hunt and help her keep her family that's alive? why I believe in fate like to no end like I even in real time life like the struggles that you go to go through are like lessons that are learned does it suck sometimes absolutely but like even even looking back on like the hardest times that I've gone through in my life I'm like I learned and grew from this so much Mm -hmm. and and I think we also it's, forget. It's Sorry just, to interrupt you. No, it's just it. I just love fate. I don't. I completely agree. And I think we also have to remember that while she is the youngest, they're not like years and years older than her. We're like they're grown. Nesta's only three years older than her. Yeah. So like when her mom dies and they get poor, she's eleven. Her sister's only fourteen. Mm-hmm. But like I don't know who taught them how to read and write. And like we said, her mom ignored that. Like, That's ignored like a freshman, Feyre. sophomore in high school if you need, like. Yeah. So it's even, even still. And like, I their know. education isn't That they've all had a traumatic upbringing anyways. Like Nesta talks about in her book about her grandmother that had nothing to do with either one of them. Like Elaine is like upset when her grandma dies, but she was severely abusive to Nesta. Um, and so like all of these things also affect like their upbringing and doing whatever. But like. If they don't know, how can they change anything? But it's also not their job to help her read and write. No, it's, teach the, teach her. it's not. And when you get into that, like speaking as an educator, when you get into that and that line disappears, that's when um, it's it's not acceptable also for the older kid. Because then you are forcing upon them uh, 
responsibilities that are not developmentally appropriate for a child. 13, 14, that's a kid. And it's absolutely not their responsibility. Tell that to and, the Duggars, Tiffany. Hmm. I have a lot to say that family favorite book. <laughs> um, but truly, and like I come across that all the time in like real time life. And it, it is unfortunate. Kids need to be kids. Now, if kids learn from each other, that's great because kids are teachers of kids. But to force that upon a kid and say, hey, you need to do this, that's not it. Okay. Well, and soapbox. <laughs> you can also say this too about like her going off and hunting, where it really shouldn't have been her responsibility and her sister should have stepped up. And I think that if you've read Silver Flames, if not, we've spoiled a lot of things for you. <laughs> but that's like part of Nesta's journey of actually accepting and loving herself is the fact that yes, she did a lot of things wrong. Um, and it was because she wanted her dad to step up and she regrets a lot of what she did. Um, and while it shouldn't have been, um, Feyre's responsibility to do this, but like Tiffany was saying with like fate and everything, it would have been a whole different story, but Mm -hmm. It also wasn't Nesta's responsibility. Like their father should have taken some responsibility and he didn't. And that's where a lot of this lies where until he got his money and then he like got whatever to like help his leg, then he felt like he could go and do things to like help his family. But before then they were relying on the children, um, which isn't great. And like for Nesta, it was more like she, she just favor started doing it. And Nesta wanted to see what her dad would do. And then for her, like the vulnerability of saying like, I, I'm going to take this back and I'm going to help. She wasn't ready to do that yet because she really, I think part of um, how she was raised by her mom was to like hide from her emotions and don't let people see what you truly feel because it's going to, it's going to um, be used against you because like with her and Cassie and Cassie and, is a soldier and he's a warrior and he fights on battlefields where Nesta was taught to do the same thing, but on the dance floor. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, like Saturday it sounds like a really bad movie. <laughs> but, like, he was taught like in the ballroom, that's your battlefield and you hide your emotions and you just are, you know, this type of woman. Like that's what you're, that was what she was taught to be. And so that's how she was raised. You know what I mean? Like where, back in the day, like women were silent. This is what you did. Like you, you look to other people, like the men in your life to do things. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and like they play more covert games. Um, so for that, I think that's, that's part of why she has reacted the way she has in the past until she's like, I've really fucked up a lot of my life and need to like make amends kind of a thing. Yeah. Okay. So Favors was able to read enough to function. Like she could write her letters, but she wasn't the greatest at it. And she was embarrassed that Tamlin knew any little bit of this information. Quote, asking them to write it would be too humiliating. I could hear their words. Typical ignorant human. Intrusive thought. And since Lucian seemed convinced that I would turn spy the moment I could, he would no doubt burn the letter. And, And I don't know what that says. And, and any, any I tried to write after. 
Oh, okay. I was like, why does that look weird? <laughs> and any basically letter that I tried to write after. So I'd have to learn myself. I'll leave you to it then, Tamlin said, as our silence became too prolonged, too tense. I didn't move until he'd closed the door, shutting me inside. And she ends up having to take a break for dinner and to sleep, but she was back in the study before dawn was fully formed the next day. And she found a small desk that she would use, some papers and some ink. Um, reading favor struggling is like really hard for me to do because it makes my heart hurt because she's like, I don't know. She's just strong broad. Mm-hmm. So quote, my finger traced a line of text and I whispered the words, she grabbed bed, grabbed her shoe, stand, standing her pus, po. I sat back in my chair and pressed the heels of my palms to my eyes. Like I could literally see her doing this. When I felt less near to ripping out my hair, I took the quill and underlined the word position. So her hand is shaking and she copies the word and her list of words was steadily growing. There were now at least 40 words on that list, malformed and barely legible. So then she gets up from her chair to stretch her legs. And as she's looking around, she notes that the study was more of a library covered in wall to wall books. She went through the stacks and found herself looking over a rose garden filled with dozens of hues like crimson, pink, white, and yellow. And I love that because I like roses. So it makes me happy to think of roses. And she was going to admire this view until her eye caught something that stretched along the wall beside the windows. Quote, not a painting, I thought, blinking as I stepped back to view its massive expanse. No, it was. I searched for the word that was half forgotten in a half forgotten part of my mind. Mural. That's what it was. So this mural was huge and ambitious and it was tucked back, not for the eyes of everyone, And it told a story with colors, shapes, and light that flowed. And it was the story of Prithian. Quote, it began with a cauldron, a mighty black cauldron held by glowing, slender female hands in a starry, endless night. Those hands tipped it over. Golden, sparkling liquid poured out over the lip. No, not sparkling, but everescent with small symbols, perhaps some of the ancient fairy language, Whatever was written there, whatever it was, the contents of the cauldron were dumped into the void below, pooling on the earth to form our world. And I just had an idea. A mighty black cauldron held by glowing slender female hands. This seems like multiple women. Well, they'd say it's the mother, the mother in the cauldron, you know. Is it just one? Is it just one? I just assumed it was just a pair of hands, two hands, the mother's hands. I don't know. My mind went to like reincarnation and thinking of Feyre and her sisters just because they're so special of the cauldron. Mm-hmm. I like what Amani just said in the chat. She said when Fair is describing the mural and says effervescent with small symbols, perhaps some ancient fairy language. Could those be? Is it word marks from Throne of Glass? That's exactly where my mind went. Sorry for that crossover, <laughs> but it's a cool thought. Yeah. No, that's exactly what I thought. It's not a spoiler. No. 
better not it's be i not. read it either it's it's not i know i know it's not just given I think, everyone I think that they shit. are i think so that too okay i'm all done so going through the mural more the maps Wait, hold on. sorry no go ahead so that part where it's like the slender female hands in a starry endless night i was like night for like that's why i just it just feels like the archeron sisters are just something so much more mm-hmm. I know. It just feels like they literally were like reborn now, to do they, all of this. That's in favor more because we don't know Elaine's story. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know about Elaine, but like, like literally, like the stuff of legends, like foretold. You know what I mean? Like something. It just, yeah, it yeah. feels like reincarnation for me. I don't or, know why. Or so I said, foreshadowing to the future of how pivotal the Night Court is to the war and like the after. Um, but. Do we think that it might have to do with priests being like the most powerful high lord in history, right? And that the in Silver Flames are talking about um, how uh, Aaron thinks it's setting up for um, her, or setting everybody up to have have a high king and like Reese could be it. So like maybe that's foreshadowing to it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think that that this paragraph is um, just something that's written. Like, I feel like it's leading to something else or like an explanation that we might get later on. Just saying. Yeah. Um, So the map on the mural spans the entirety of their world, the land that they stood on, but also the seas and larger continents beyond. So each territory was marked and colored, and some had intricate, ornate depictions of the beings who had once ruled over the lands that now belonged to the humans. So she remembers with a shudder that all of the world had once been theirs, at least as far as they believed, crafted for them by the bearer of the cauldron. There was no mention of humans, however, no sign of them. Um, And she thinks in her head, I suppose, we'd been as low as pigs to them. Um, It was hard to look at the next panel because it was so simple yet so detailed that for a moment, Feyre stood there on that battlefield, feeling the texture of the bloodied mud beneath her, shoulder to shoulder with the thousands of other human soldiers lined up, facing the fairy hordes who charged at them. A moment of pause before the slaughter. Maybe a little bit of foreshadowing there, just like, I mean, I guess not necessarily against humans. You're going to do more than just stand on the battlefield. She's going to do a lot more. Um, but, and you know, I, like, I don't just mean the fight. mention of war. Mm-hmm. What? I don't mean fight. What do you mean? Oh. <laughs> well, this might be this might be foreshadowing <laughs> to even later with the, the human queens. True. I mean, I yeah. This is also just showing the war the that history. Reese and... And it's inevitably going to repeat. Like, it's... where the, where the um, wall went up. You know, yeah. and all, like that's what this is telling us. Mm-hmm. I think it's more of just like a general, like yeah, it's telling us this, and just like a general foreshadowing of like stuff's gonna go down again. You know, like I'm learning this, and it's gonna repeat. 
Um, so the human's weapons seemed pointless against the high fae with their armor and claws and fangs, and she knows that the humans didn't survive that particular battle. The black on the next panel, tinged with glimmers of red, said enough. There was another map, a much reduced fairy realm. Northern territories were cut up and divided to make room for the high fae, who had lost their lands to the south of the wall. Everything north of the wall went to them. Everything south was left as a blur of nothing, a decimated, forgotten world as if the painter couldn't be bothered to render it. Sarah. I, I wonder if this, too, is showing... Obviously, we know, she doesn't yet, how um, Tamlin's father sided with Highburn, And uh, we find out later when they're talking about it, that she had no idea that Faye also fought on this human side, which is the side that Reese was fighting on and his father was fighting on. Um, yeah. And this is really just depicting humans versus Faye. And that the fact that like whomever portrayed that didn't want to deem the Faye that were fighting with the humans worth anything. Literally and- makes me think of real time life paintings that were done that were biased. Yeah. So this was clearly somebody hired on that side for sure of things. Well, if there's a gallery, maybe one of his like relatives was a painter and they did this. Um, and making it where like, it seems the way it's described to me uh, with like the wall doesn't, it seems like it's an almost an anger. Um, and then like, they don't give a fuck about the humans. So like, why would they even detail anything down there? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Feyre scans the various lands and territories, still so much territory. She knew that they were ruled by kings or queens or councils or empresses, but had never seen a representation of it, of how much they had to concede to the South and how crammed their lands were now in comparison. So still their massive island had fared well for Prithian, only the bottom tip given over to, quote, us miserable humans. Just the tip. Just the tip. (laughs) 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 <laughs> the bulk of the sacrifice was by the southernmost of the seven territories, one painted with crocuses, lambs, and roses, Springlands. There was an ugly smear that represented the wall, no markers in the human realm, but she found the rough area where her village was in the woods that separated it from the wall. So the lands above the wall, the lands of the spring court, no markers, but it had touches of spring, trees in bloom, fickle storms, young animals. Quote from her thinking, at least I was to live out my days in one of the more moderate courts, weather wise, a small consolation. Aha. <laughs> nope. Then she says, I looked northward and stepped back again. The six other courts of Prithian occupied a patchwork of territories. Autumn, summer, and winter were easy enough to pick out. Then above them, two glowing courts, the southernmost one, a softer, redder palette. The Dawn Court, above in bright gold and yellow and blue, the Day Court, and above that, perched in a frozen mountainous spread of darkness and stars, the sprawling massive territory of the Night Court. There were things in the shadows between those mountains, little eyes, gleaming teeth, a land of lethal beauty. The hair on my arms rose. Or do you just know where you belong? And she knows what she paints for herself. Also, do you think that those, like, little eyes, gleaming teeth and stuff is like the Court of Nightmares-ish, maybe, area? Oh, interesting thought. 
I like um, that. There were other kingdoms across the seas, like the, quote, isolated fairy kingdom to the west that seemed to have gotten away with no territory loss and was still law unto itself. Is that Highburn, probably? The left, yes. Highburn yeah. is to the left. The continent is to the right when you're looking at the map. Right. Which okay. is interesting because it, it, it was saying, like, how they seem to be, like, governing themselves. And they're like, yeah, not well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But she looked to the heart of the map in the center of the land as if it were the core around which everything else had spread or perhaps the place where the cauldron's liquid had first touched was a small snowy mountain range. From it arose a mammoth solitary peak, bald of snow, bald of life, as if the elements refused to touch it. There were no more clues about what it might be, nothing to indicate its importance. And I suppose that the viewers were already supposed to know that this was not a mural for human eyes. Is that Valeris? Say it again. Valeris isn't on a map, is it? Is it the, well, no, it but I mean, or, like, well, I it's not marked as Valeris, but, but it says you know in the center, but I don't know. It's in the center of the land. No, so then I was thinking, is that where Nesta? I think that's under the mountain. Because that's part, so that okay. whole, um, the middle, it's called, um, let me look at, oh, it'll be detailed in this. Um, that makes so sense. They have like the summer and the autumn quarter, like right next to each other, and right at top of that's the winter court. Then they have under the mountain, which is like a strip of land. Okay. And then and that's in the, the middle. Dome. Yes. Okay, so and it's. I think that's where like the weavers' cottages and stuff. Oh, I want a big one of these on the wall. Where's the mm-hmm. area? Where's the area that like Nesta goes to, with the kelpie? Is that in that middle area too? Oh, that was messed up. The map on silver. So each book has gets um, a little more details. The maps get yes, the maps get more detailed. Um, I love how Feyre does say it. At least I'd learned the layout of their lands, and I knew to never ever go north. Yeah, <laughs> jokes on you, babe. It doesn't really say, but the Weaver's Cottage is under the mountain. Let me look it up. What it says. Like in the same strip of land. Oh wow! Because and I think that the bog is there too. Hmm. Oh yeah, we finally listened to the audio and it is bog. So literally, the wiki says bogey. So um, that's bogus. Okay, I don't know who send came up an with email that. to SJM. <laughs> How do you pronounce this? It says the bog of Urid. Farah frowned at the spot in the middle, and it says Urid was once a sacred place. Warriors were laid to rest in this night black waters. Um, it says that they say that water there flows to the un- to under the mountain, and the creatures who live in the bog have long used its underground waterways to travel through the middle. So it's in the- all in the middle. Hmm. And like they say, like that particular. Um, oh, it says it's forbidden to map the middle beyond vague landmarks. He pointed to the sacred mountains in the center where he'd been hidden, had held for nearly fifty years. The mountain, the woods, the bog, all can be seen from land and air, but its secrets, those discovered on foot, those are forbidden. And then she said, by whom? And he goes, an ancient council of the high lords. The middle is a place where wild magic still dwells and thrives and feeds. Okay, so that is where it has its own entity and do not wish to provoke its wrath by revealing its mysteries. So that is where Nesta goes with Cassian and Az, right? I would assume. I did not like that. Yeah, I did not like that part either. (laughs) 
Ugh, it I hate it. Know. Interesting <laughs> feelings. Not that I don't like that part. I like that she's like worried. This is probably how just says how fucked up I am. But she's like worried for Cassian. And then she's like trying to um like be like, oh, I'm also worried for Az. Um, which is like, sure. But like really, and then Cassian like later on because he she was like, Well, I was trying to find you, like that's why I left, because he's like kind of ticked her. He's like, Why would you like leave? Um, and he's like, We were gone for 30 minutes. But that's the night that they have sex for the first time. Full on? Yeah. <laughs> With his seed. Not uh. just tip. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so that is under the mountain. Feyre goes back to her books and is embarrassed that she can't read a children's book. And she wonders why Tamlin has them. Like, were they his or were they for future children? She gets frustrated, hates the smell of the old books, feels like the paper in them is mocking her, and she crumpled up her list and threw it away. And then she hears, I could help you write to them if that's why you're here. Bro, you need to announce you're there, okay? You need a Bro. little tappy tap or is that in the next book I was reading where she was reading at the library or the study or whatever um, in like the house I don't know what they call it to be honest with you it's like house above the mountain but like not on the Valeris side so like it's not Hewn City but it's whatever the palace above it Utter House the court the court of nightmares house you know um, that's in the mountains and he like strategically like does not come near her and when he's like hey he says whatever to her and she's like, oh, she remembers a time where, like, Tamron came up to her and she wasn't expecting him and then, like, knocks the wind out of him, like, so strong that he, like, fell over because he scared the crap out of her hmm. because he didn't announce himself. They're just meant to be, man. Mates mates are going to mate. TBD. TBD. Mates might mate. <laughs> mates might mate. <laughs> Um, so obviously this surprises her. She jerks back in surprise. She almost knocks over her chair. And she finds Tamlin behind her with a stack of books in his arms. I'm literally just picturing Beast in <laughs> yeah. the library with a stack of books in his arms. Um, so Feyre feels embarrassed. She feels a little panicky because what if he's guessing like <laughs> Meg? <laughs> Perfect gift. Um, what if he's like guessing the information she's trying to send to her family? And she says, help, you mean a fairy is passing up the opportunity to mock an ignorant mortal? Oh. Um, and he says, why should I mock you for a shortcoming that isn't your fault? Let me help you. I owe you for the hand. Shortcoming. It was a shortcoming. That's what she's thinking. Um, so she thinks it's one thing to bandage his hand and talk to him as if he wasn't a predator built to kill and destroy. But she just can't bring herself to reveal how little she knows which is like not true like you're not dumb Feyre at all but I guess she feels like that's kind of thrown in her face and important um and she sorry it's okay with the whole not being able to read thing how does Amarantha find out who knows Reese doesn't know until after that Lucian doesn't know because oh when she does that task yeah the second task Yep. <laughs> it's not over. But like how how does she how does she I don't out? know. The only person there that knows um is She can't go into mines, can she? 
I don't know. Because Tamlin's all up there sitting, not doing shit. So, like, what <laughs> can she read his mind what, during any point where they're together? You know? Not that, like, know. we're thinking about that, but I don't know. Yeah, did she just like, get know, lucky a with really a horrible task? <laughs> you know, Amarantha. How many times have you read Are this Are we book? sure that it was intentional? That task? Know. It it felt like it. Um, it truly did, though. Well, maybe they just found out. Maybe she maybe. found out then because it was a it was a uh, well puzzle think that he would use it against her, or she would use yeah, it against her. But because he literally says like, who would have thought that the self righteous human girl couldn't read? And then she's like, um, I've only read this book twice. Mm, okay. Through, I think. Okay. Maybe three times. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Might be just a happy coincidence. Because maybe she thought that the riddle was too hard for her to figure out. Anyway, not necessarily because she kind of. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. It was the riddle, and then it was just like. What says? A coincidence. Interesting. She also calls her favorite darling. Says here, favorite darling, you shall find your task. Simply answer the question by selecting the correct lever. And you'll win. Select the wrong one to your doom. As there are only three options, I think I gave you an unfair advantage. That is, if you can solve the pro- or solve the puzzle in time. Mm. Um, she can't. She can only read some of the words. Yeah. And then it says, like, who had told her I couldn't read? And she goes, something wrong. She raised an eyebrow. I snapped my attention mm. to the inscription. Keeping my breath as steady as I could. She hadn't mentioned reading as an issue. She would have mocked me more if she'd known about my illiteracy. Fate, a cruel twist, a oh. cruel, vicious twist of fate. So maybe she mm. didn't. So a happy accident. Happy accident for who? <laughs> but like, truly, thank you. Amarantha. So that he was like, you self righteous human girl couldn't. And she's like, he goes, me, I wouldn't dream of telling you one. Why waste that kind of knowledge on petty guys? She's just not a good egg. No. He, he says something about, he's like, will assigning you to learn, assigning you to learn to read be as painful as it looked today? What he says about reading in that book. Yep. You can finish talking, Katie. Um, (laughs) so Feyre doesn't want to like show any weakness and I thought this was kind of really sad Um, in her mind it says she couldn't let him see that part of him that was still a child unfinished and raw she had to grow up in a very short amount of time Um, there's no pity in his voice but she still like kind of stiffens and just says I'm fine Um, so Tamlin's like do you think that I have nothing else better to do but think of elaborate ways to humiliate you? And um, so Tamlin then shakes his head because I don't think she responds. And he says, so you'll let Lucian take you out on hunts. And she says, Lucian doesn't pretend to be anything but what he is. And Tamlin said, what's that supposed to mean? His claws did stay retracted. A little control there. Um, and Pharaoh says, I was definitely walking a dangerous line, but I didn't care. Even if he'd offered me sanctuary, I didn't have to fall at his feet. Yeah, strong woman vibes. Sanctuary! Shut up! 
It means, I said with that same cold quiet, that I don't know you. I don't know who you are or what you really are or what you want. And then Tamlin said, it means you don't trust me. Why? But like, why? <laughs> why, why would why I? Would she? <laughs> you, you've been an asshole to you her. But Yeah, you've given me no reason to even like you, let alone trust you. Yeah. Lucian's like more in control of his faculties. Yeah. Faculties. That's what she says. Like, he's real with me and actually converses with me. I know who he is. I don't know shit about you. Yeah, you're so hot and cold, man. Yep. Um, so she says, how can I trust a fairy? Don't you delight in killing and tricking us? His snarl set the flames of the candles guttering. You aren't what I had in mind for a human. Believe me. I could almost feel the wound deep in my chest as it ripped open and all those awful silent words came pouring out. Illiterate, ignorant, unremarkable, proud, cold, all spoken from Nesta's mouth, all echoing in my head with her sneering voice. So again, we've got some intrusive thoughts. Got Nesta to be being fair in. to everyone out there who like doesn't care for Nesta. Sarah J. Mass made us this way. Like she built this up. Oh yeah. You know how for she sure. built well, us up to like hate Slither and or the author build us up to hate Slither. <laughs> but like I feel like this is in, in a similar vein. You know what I mean? Here's the thing for me, and I'm not dismissing what she said. Nesta to me is a very real person because I've I've done those things in the past and said some terrible shit specifically to like my sister. I would never do that now. I am grown. I've worked on my shit, but as a kid, I was fucking terrible. Mm. And so like with Nesta, what she did is wrong. And she knows now, like when you read Silver Flames, she knows what she did is fucked up and she has a lot of regrets in life and not just about how she was treating her sister, but a lot of things. But like, that's the point of of Silver Flames to me. Like we were built to think this, then we were, then we were made to break it down and really try and understand. So like, Like, yeah, read, read, read Silver Flames with like more of an open mind. Like, I know a lot of people don't care for that. I need to read it again. But like, you have to read it with an open mind and an empathetic heart because you, otherwise yeah. you're just going to hold your grudge. And like realistically, they're like, well, nothing changed. That's just the beginning of like, that's not true, like, though. I don't disagree with you, but that's some people have said like, but well, that truly like I that's disagree. just the beginning of her journey. And if you've gone through years and years and years of hating yourself, mm-hmm. that's you years of things mm-hmm. you have to unpack and you have to go. It's not going to happen not in months. Overnight. Yeah. Um, and like that's one thing like I like once they're like at the lake. The lake. Um, where Cassian's even telling her, like, you need to be the one, like you have to decide if you're gonna change or not. But also you don't have to be this like soft, loving, warm woman. Like that's not like that would be essentially changing everything you are. Like mm-hmm. you don't have to be and that's something I think society says, like for women, they should be warm and comforting and loving and outside of like all of these things. Like that's you don't that. it doesn't make you less of a woman if you aren't automatically those trying to accommodate other people not saying that's how favorite is but like just women in general they're like oh you're less of a woman if you are acting if you're not like nurturing yes if you're not yes more soft and whatever um yeah yep well said um so this this does get to Feyre she pinches her lips together and Tamlin winces a li- little bit like I, I struck a low blow and he seems to like lift a hand like he's going to reach for her 
And he says her name kind of soft, but she just shakes her head and left. Shakes her head and leaves, and he doesn't stop her. Did you just say lefts? Yeah. You did. I did. <laughs> I love you. I love you. I left. I left. I left. Um, so she does go back that afternoon to the study library, whatever you want to call it, to get her list from the trash, but it's gone and her pile of books are also all out of order. So she tries to tell herself, like, it's probably just the servants, like it's probably just Alice or somebody coming to clean up. Like, I didn't write anything incriminating. There's nothing, there's no way that Tamlin would know that I'm trying to warn my warn my family. Uh, but she still felt uneasy as she sat down to like go through her book again. But she's just like staring at this jumble of letters. Um, and she's thinking maybe it's foolish to like not just suck up my pride and like accept his help. Like not even to write a letter of warning, but just to let my family know that I'm safe. And she thinks if he had better things to do than come up with ways to embarrass me, surely he had better things to do than to help me write letters. And yet he had offered that help to me. So we're like starting to see how like kind of like that Beauty and the Beast thing like something there that wasn't there before um but this part where she struggles is like it's kind of sad so from the book shortcoming another one of my shortcomings i rub my brows with my thumb and forefinger i've been equally foolish to for feeling a shred of pity for him for the lone brooding fairy for someone i had so stupidly thought would really care if he met someone who perhaps felt the same perhaps understood in my ignorant insignificant human way what it was what it was like to bear the weight of caring for others. I should have let his hand bleed that night. Should have known better than to think that maybe, maybe there would be someone, human or fairy or whatever, who could understand what my life, what I had become these past few years. So then she thinks maybe fairies couldn't lie, but they certainly could withhold information. Um, Tamlin, Lucian, Alice, all of them had done their best to not answer all of her very specific questions. They just are keeping her in the dark, which I think is partially true and partially again like they physically can, cannot fact, speak lie. yeah and they can lie <laughs> um and it then just, she, it makes me laugh how much she depends on that little tiny piece know, of information she clings to it for so long well oh, they can't lie yeah, so. right and then more from the book knowing more about the blight had how the hold on knowing more about the blight that threatened them, knowing anything about it, where it had come from, what else it could do, and especially what it could do to a human was worth my time to learn. And if there was a chance that they might also possess some knowledge about a forgotten loophole of that damn treaty, if they knew some way to pay the debt I owed and return me to my family so I might warn them about the blight myself, I had to risk it. And kind of like good thing she has this drive, otherwise she would have been a lot more clueless. Um, but again, kind of doesn't work out very well and she has to go through all those trials anyway but 20 minutes mm -hmm. later she goes to track down lucian she's like marked on her map where his bedroom is and she had checked all his usual places that he is and he wasn't there so she had to go knock on his dumbledores <laughs> <laughs> um so lucian tells her to come in he says come in human and that's exactly how he says it oh my god <laughs> <laughs> so quoting the book, it says, I eased open the door. The room was similar to mine in shape, but was bedecked in hues of orange and red and gold with faint traces of green and brown, like being in an autumn wood. But while my room was all softness and grace, his was marked with ruggedness. In lieu of a pretty breakfast table by the window, a worn work table dominated the space covered in various weapons. It was there he sat wearing only a white t-shirt and trousers. 
his red hair unbound and gleaming like liquid fire. Tamlin's court-trained emissary, but a warrior in his own right. Hot. You didn't fight in the war. You didn't fight. (laughs) (laughs) So they start to have a conversation. Feyre is saying that she hasn't seen him in a bit, and he's like, well, I've been doing some emissary shit, but you know. Uh, He does tell her that he did indeed hear that little spat she and Tamlin had. And he's like, kind of says it in like a snotty Lucian way of being like, I'm, I'm glad to know like how you feel about me and that I'm not on the top of your kill list. Um, oh and he's like, but also, thanks for getting under his skin enough to chew me out. Um, but thankfully, whilst his lunch was ruined, um, <laughs> there was a disturbance in the woods. <laughs> that sounds ridiculous. There was a disturbance in the woods. So Tamla had to go out and deal with it. And so then Pharaoh's like, well, what kind of disturbance? And he says, the usual sort, unwanted, nasty creatures raising hell. And so Pharaoh's actually kind of happy that Tamlin is away because she's got a plan. A plan, you see? Mm. And so she says to Lucian that she's impressed that he answered and says, she, so she's glad Tamlin's away so she can plot. And she goes, it's too, but it's too bad you're not like surreal, spouting any information I want if I'm clever enough snare you and Lucian's not dumb and says she's probably won't tell him what she wants to know uh but you know she's like we both have secrets haha <laughs> and she asks if he was the surreal how would she catch him and so he puts the knife that he was cleaning down and he tries to like act casual and like I don't know why I, I'm picturing in his head like because people like to clean their nails with their knives like, in books Ooh. um and I just I'm too accident prone. I'd slice up a finger if I'm being. Yep. You don't. You don't watch Sunny, so you don't know about this probably. But uh, in that Frank Danny DeVito's character has a toe knife. A oh, toe knife. God. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> he's just you know doing whatever he goes. I'd probably have a weakness for groves of young birch trees in the western woods and freshly slaughtered chickens and would probably be so greedy that I wouldn't notice the double loop snare rigged around the grove to pin my legs in place. So Favre doesn't really want to press him um, on why he's so accommodating all of a sudden. And so he probably, she's thinking he doesn't care if she dies, so like, that's fine. Um, And she tells him that she prefers him to, as like being a hyphae, not a surreal. Uh, and he says to her, if I were insane and stupid enough to go after a surreal, I'd also take a bow and quiver and maybe a knife like this one. So then he, like, sheaths the sword. It's not a sword. Sheaths the knife. Sheaths the knife that he was cleaning. And he kind of, like, leaves it on the end of the table in a very blatant oh my God. way of, like, taking his go. So she does. Um, and then I want to read the end of the chapter because I didn't feel like um but she says but you're not insane so you'll be here safe and sound i'll be conveniently hunting on the grounds and with my superior hearing i might be feeling generous enough to listen if someone screams from the western woods but it's a good thing i had no role in telling you to go out today since tam would eviscerate anyone who told you how to trap a surreal And it's a good thing I had planned to hunt anyways, because if anyone caught me helping you, there would be trouble of a whole other hell awaiting us. I hope your secrets are worth it, he said with his usual grin, but there was an edge to it, a warning I didn't miss. 
It's like another riddle, another bit of information. She goes, it's a good thing that while you have superior hearing, I possess superior abilities to keep my mouth shut. Um, And so, like, he just kind of snorts at her saying that. And then it's like, I think I'm starting to like you for a murdering human. Um, So, yeah. Again, I'd like to remind you that she's been able to catch this twice. The serial. Well, by the time that, like, she talks to Reese, it's only one time. But she catches him, like, three times. Although, I don't know if, like, the third time's really her catching him or if, like, they just meet in the western woods or, like, the middle, <laughs> the middle by the uh, Weaver's Cottage. Um, but Reese, as powerful as he is, has never uh, been able to catch the serial. He's tried twice and failed. What do you think you wanted to know? That's a good question. I just thought of. Where is Thera? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that. Probably. Whoa, 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 whoa. When are these times? He doesn't say. Because what if one of them was to find out whether or not she was going to be unalive during childbirth? No, because this is in Mist and Fury. Mm. So no. Emily suggests maybe how to escape from Amarantha's spell. And Amani says maybe he wanted to know about the person he kept seeing. Could be. Possibilities. What's for lunch tomorrow? I think, yeah, I think it would have to do with, like, either saving all of the world mm-hmm. or, like, saving his family. Yeah. Bad tweets, man. Never got the answers he wanted. Any other final thoughts? Hamlin's an asshole. Our chat got wildly divergent from what we were actually talking about. Um, But it was good. Mm -hmm. This was a quick episode. Yeah. It was. Is the next chapter where she traps the cereal though yeah we're gonna have some tea okay we should all have tea yes recording let's have tea (laughs) i'm down i love that tiktok with the cereal and then it's the gossip girl (laughs) sound so good you can find your hosts on the insta of grams Myself and Meg are at the Petrus family. Tiffany is at Tiffswish underscore flick. And Sarah is at O'Malley. And that's with three H's. Thank you for listening and for your support. We appreciate you all so much. Take care and remember only you can decide what breaks you. You Fun fact about this episode. It comes out on my birthday. Really? Yeah. Happy early half birthday to me and birthday to Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> she wished herself a happy half birthday first. <laughs> Probably something I would do. I knew she would appreciate it. <laughs> I mean, I'll read it. Put it in a note so we don't sound like idiots. <laughs> I got but it. Our patrons know better. <laughs> our patrons know we're idiots. <laughs> Uh, we do this once a month. I get confused. <laughs> <laughs>